I'm Alison Wilson, Linklater's Global Head of Dispute Resolution and Chair of our Investigations Cross-Practice Initiative. I'm delighted to welcome you to the Linklater's Investigations Insights podcast. In this podcast series, thought leaders and subject matter experts from our investigations network explore some of the challenges and complexities that specialists' investigation work can present and share best practice and guidance. Thanks for joining us. I hope you find the episode useful. Hello, I'm Doug Tween, antitrust and foreign investment partner in our New York and Washington offices. And I'm joined today by Seema Ostrovsky, counsel on our London team, and Khan Gur, counsel on our Dusseldorf team. Today, we will be talking about antitrust dawn raids, or what in the US we would say are searches executed pursuant to a search warrant. Now, perhaps we should start by explaining what we mean when we talk about dawn raids. Seema, do you want to give us a brief outline? Yes, Doug, let's do that. So usually what we're talking about is a surprise inspection of a company's premises by a competition authority, where the aim is to investigate and collect documents and evidence where the authority believes that the company has been involved in a breach of competition law. So for example, if they think the company has been sharing sensitive information with competitors, being involved in cartels or in a suspected abuse of dominance. The raid usually comes as a surprise to the company and the employees. And their forces do this because they have a hope to find evidence that might otherwise be improperly deleted or hidden. Now, Doug, in some jurisdictions, other sectoral regulators can also conduct antitrust dawn raids. In the UK, for example, we have the Financial Conduct Authority, which has parallel competition powers and has in fact conducted raids of financial institutions. Now, in terms of what the authority can do during a dawn raid, it usually has the ability to enter the premises. It can interview staff. It can review documents, whether confidential or not. It can also gain access to the company's IT systems and the individual's emails and phones, where these are used for work purposes. And this can also include personal devices. If, for example, work emails are sent from your personal phone. They can also access some passwords. So actually, this can be a very invasive process. But the exact scope of those powers really depends on the legal mandate that the authority has, with warrants usually authorizing the greatest scope of powers. But dawn raids can be carried out in relation to other areas of law, right? That's absolutely right. In some jurisdictions, dawn raids can be carried out by a large number of different regulatory authorities in relation to other potential wrongdoings as well. So from tax fraud to market abuse and even criminal offenses such as insider dealing. But today, Doug, I think we're just going to focus on investigations relating to antitrust concerns. Okay, thanks, Seema. Dawn raids are definitely a real hot topic at the moment, and we are seeing an increase in antitrust and cartel enforcement globally, especially as the authorities return post-pandemic. Khan, this uptick, you're seeing this in Europe, right? Absolutely, Doc. Um, there are many robust statements from antitrust authorities all over the world indicating their intention to focus on cartel activity in the wake of the pandemic, where dawn rates really dipped in light of the COVID restrictions. Speaking in numbers, while pre-COVID across Europe, the regulators conducted on average approximately 80 dawn rates per year, the numbers went down significantly during the pandemic with only 24 rates 
throughout the EU in 2020, with some authorities, including the European Commission, for example, not being active at all. Since the second half of 2021, we are seeing a steady increase in cartel enforcement globally. Within a very short period of time between February and April 2023, the European Commission has now carried out three dawn raids, i.e. in the fragrances sector in February, in energy drinks in March, and just a few days ago in the fashion industry, which they had raided uh, um, exactly one year ago in May 2022. The rate in the fragrances industry is interesting because it was coordinated between the European Commission, the Swiss authority, the CMA in the UK, and the US authorities, and this did not happen for a long time now. Also, this rate was conducted ex officio, demonstrating the European Commission's willingness to be more proactive, also in light of decreasing numbers of leniency applications, a trend that is mainly based on the implications of leniency on follow-on damages claims. Within the European Union, companies can be raided by the European Commission, as well as the national authorities in the member states. Authorities need a mandate to be able to conduct the dawn raid. At EU level, this is a decision issued by the European Commission itself. In many member states, a court order is needed, i.e. a search warrant. This mandate is important as it defines the scope of the raids and is an important limitation to the powers of the authorities. Thanks, Khan. Just to overlay the UK perspective, the investigations take a very similar form as in the EU. But post-Brexit, obviously, dawn raids are carried out by the UK authority on their own behalf only, and not also on behalf of the European Commission or the other national EU authorities. Now, the CMA officials may have a warrant or an inspection notice, both in relation to a civil or a criminal investigation. So companies cannot refuse entry of the inspectors if they don't have a warrant. This is quite a different situation when it comes to domestic premises where you actually do need a warrant. And in order to get such a warrant, the High Court judge or the Competition Appeals Tribunal will have to satisfy itself that there are reasonable grounds to suspect that there are documents uh, in the relevant premises which would be concealed or destroyed if a written request has been made for them. Now, warrants contain various details. Usually, the scope and the nature of the inspection is the basic minimum, but possibly they will also give you an indication of the time period that is being investigated. And this should be scrutinized really carefully to ensure that the CMA is acting within its powers. Now, a raid under a warrant gives the CMA officials a broad range of powers compared to a raid with no warrant. Most importantly, with a warrant, the CMA can exercise what we generally call the season sift powers which basically mean that the CMA can take copies of everything that it wants from a premises, where it thinks that this may be relevant to the investigation, and then it will determine if they're actually relevant back in its offices. In contrast, if we don't have a warrant, the CMA can only take away copies of the documents it deems relevant, which means that the relevant has to be established during the dawn raid in the company's premises. During a dawn raid, and this is in any jurisdiction, it is really important to have shadowers from the business or the legal team following the CMA or whichever officials they may be to note what they're doing, who they're talking to, and in particular, what documents they're reviewing. And the idea here is that you want to piece together the full story behind the alleged conduct and check if there are any smoking guns. Now, Doug, does this compare to the US at all? 
Um, sure, Seema. I, I think there are many similarities, but also some key differences. I mean, the first is in the US searches occur only in connection with criminal antitrust investigations and not civil. And in order for the government to obtain a search warrant, there has to be sign off by a judge or a magistrate. Basically, the government has to make a showing that a probable cause to believe a search is justified, or in other words, that a crime has been committed and that evidence of the crime will be found in the place to be searched. Typically, this is accomplished with a sworn affidavit from the FBI or other case agent that describes the place to be searched and the items to be seized. I think the most significant difference is that employees are obliged to answer questions from the European Commission, but in the US, any interview is voluntary. And this is a tricky line for companies because on the one hand, you can't instruct your employees not to speak to government agents, but on the other hand, you can try to persuade them that it's usually in their own interest to take a pause and to refuse to speak during the search, but instead to wait until they've had an opportunity to prepare, to review documents, to refresh their recollection, and frankly, you know, for the company to also coordinate with them. Um, it's a tricky line, um, but I think it's one that companies should be thinking of in advance. There's also a lot of common themes, I think. First of all, the receptionists should be trained and they should know to reach out to contact the lawyers ASAP. I think they should have mobile numbers at the front desk just in case agents show up. You always want to ask the agents or investigators to wait, although sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. Um, you definitely want to be have prepared the IT team and to have them on call as dawn raids are always heavily focused on the IT element, given the shift from paper documents to electronic documents. And I think you always want to immediately seek legal advice if you're at uncertain, uncertain at any stage of your rights and responsibilities. I mean, on this point, I think it's really important to have external lawyers lined up in case of a dawn raid, as they will be needed and there really isn't time to think when a raid happens. We also have a free Linklater's Dawn Raid app available on our website, which I think is really helpful to have installed on phones. It covers the rules in 11 jurisdictions around the globe, including Europe, the US and China, and it has guidance in a number of local languages and also has simple checklists for all team members, including front of house, IT staff and legal. Having this information close to hand can be really useful under the pressurized conditions of a dawn raid. Now, as Seema mentioned, in the EU and the UK, you can have employees and lawyers shadow the investigators. This is another of those areas that's a little tricky because in the US, in theory, you have the right to shadow but not interfere in the search. But I would advise doing that very delicately it's very easy to imagine FBI agents getting upset and claiming you're obstructing their search. So do that carefully if you do it at all. 
It's also important to keep the news of a dawn raid confidential and especially not tip off anyone outside the business. Personally, I think it's a good practice to consider sending non-essential employees home. The reality is they're not gonna get any work done anyway, so you might as well get them out of the way. And finally, it's really important to be polite and cooperative. As simple as that sounds, Doug, this is really an important point. While it is important to keep an eye on what is being seized and to ensure that this is within the parameters of any warrant, the flip side is that in the European Union, as well as in the UK and in many EU member states, the company has a duty to cooperate actively during a raid and fines for obstruction and non-compliance can be huge. It is important not to be hostile to inspectors or to obstruct the investigation by refusing to cooperate or mislead them. And picking up on your earlier points, Seema and Doug, on shadowers, this is also an integral part, of course, of dawn rates in the European Commission. A helpful new development now is that we could see in the more recent dawn rates that shadowers now seem to have as a standard the possibility to connect up to the inspectors' computers, allowing them to review what inspectors are reviewing in parallel without needing to peer over their shoulders. And I have done this shadowing a lot myself. It really, uh, uh, it was not nice in the past, so this is a helpful development indeed. If a dawn raid lasts for more than one day, the inspectors may place seals across doors or cupboards to prevent any interference overnight. Everyone on the premises should therefore be made aware that they must not tamper with the seals under any circumstances. We often advise even that clients consider placing a security guard to make sure of this overnight. If a seal is breached, this can lead to very large fines being imposed on the company. For example, in the context of a dawn rate by the European Commission, Aon was fined 38 million euros for breaching a seal, despite there being no evidence at all that any documents had actually been tampered as a result. Another element is to ensure that any document destruction policy is paused during the raid and maybe even afterwards in the internal investigation based on RFIs, etc. Relevant documents must not be concealed or deleted as this could also lead to the significant fines and even possible criminal penalties in some jurisdictions. You might need to consider sending an email to specific employees or even the entire company to ensure that there is no intentional or an inadvertent deletion of evidence. Thanks, Dan. A really important dynamic to mention is how COVID pandemic has changed elements of dawn raids globally. One aspect of this is dawn raids at home. So antitrust authorities in most countries have the power to visit home addresses to search for documents without warning. And with remote working being the norm these days, there have been some recent examples of antitrust officials searching private homes in the UK, US, and the EU. And if you use your personal email or social media account for what purposes, then the inspectors cannot to access these as well. In fact, inspectors can access anything on your social media account that is publicly available. Seema, this is a really hot issue for the DOJ in the US. Companies must, and I put an exclamation point after that word must, 
They must have policies that control for the use of text messaging and ephemeral messaging apps for business purposes. The DOJ expects companies to be able to review and preserve all business communications on whatever channel. And the penalties for failing to do so can be really, really high. But many employees will balk at turning over their WhatsApp or WeChat accounts because they say those are personal and not business, even if I use them for business purposes. Companies absolutely need to think about this issue in advance and have policies that address it. If you wait till there's an investigation or a dawn raid, it's too late and the consequences will not be good. That's absolutely right, Doug. I mean, there's also another trend that's probably worth talking about, and that's virtual dawn raids, which have become quite popular during the COVID period. For example, we've seen the European Commission conducting a remote dawn raid in relation to the e-commerce sector, and the CMA has conducted one in the online advertising sector. And likewise, the German authority has done something similar in the retail sector. Now, in terms of what this looks like in practice, and looking at the Italian competition authority as an example, they downloaded data remotely after a video call with the company's legal representative, and then they conducted a secondary filtering process to determine relevance on a follow-up video call by sharing their screen with the external counsel. Now, it's really interesting to note that the tools that the authorities are using these days for dawn raids are becoming more and more digitized and AI heavy. So, for example, they're using web scrapers to search websites and social media and using algorithms to become really efficient about their e-searches. Yeah, I agree, Seema. I think it's crystal clear that in dawn raids now, the focus is going to be on electronic searches of servers, devices, and accounts rather than seizing hard copy documents. So it's really important to be mindful of the risk that any document produced may be seized by an authority, including chats, IMs, WhatsApp, and the like. And I think it's absolutely fair to say the authorities are becoming a lot more sophisticated in this regard. But at the same time, one of the big issues here, when they go in and start grabbing things, and they can tend to do it without a lot of thought, um, there's a good likelihood they're going to be grabbing documents that may be subject to attorney-client or other privileges. Frankly, one of the ways to slow the enforcers down a little bit and let you start to catch up to them is to say that they may be, put them on notice immediately that they may be seizing privileged materials and that you're going to look to disqualify any agent or investigator or attorney who is exposed to those. So what happens after a dawn raid? There are, of course, lots of considerations to think about. Companies first need to do their homework by carrying out an internal audit to analyze whether or not the suspected conduct took place or not. This must be done in a very short time period using many of the same tools as the authorities do. Do not miss anything, of course. Internal investigations sometimes also raise difficult follow-up questions, amongst others, data protection and employment laws. Also, as early as possible, the raided company needs to be thinking about leniency and whether it is in the company's 
interest to make an application. This, of course, is mainly of relevance where the company believes that it has, in fact, been involved in a potential infringement. It is also important to assess if there is already an immunity applicant. This, however, is generally a black box and part of the game. So as the amount of the fine reduction is mainly based on the chronolo chronological order of applications, this difficult decision needs to be made as quickly as possible to not lose the dog's race to the other companies raided. The rise of damages claims globally led to a drop in leniency applications during the last few years as companies fear that leniency documents can later be used in court by the claimants. Okay, thanks, Khan. I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you all very much for listening. I want to thank our participants, Seema Ostrovsky and Khan Gurur. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed today, explore Linklater's investigation services more broadly, or find out about our Dawn Raid app, please contact Seema Khan or myself or visit the Linklater's Investigations webpage. And I hope you'll join us again next time for more Investigations Insights. Thanks. So thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we've discussed today or explore our investigation services more broadly, please speak with your usual Linklater's contact, click on the contact details provided for this episode or visit the Investigations page on the linklaters.com website. I hope you'll join us again for more Investigations Insights.